Hi folks, and welcome back to another week of Professor Pastor Paul's Midweek Bible Festival. I'm coming to you here from S206, right above the um, Welcome Center and front office of the church, and it's pretty quiet here. Not the same without you. This week uh, is the fourth Sunday of Lent, fourth, fourth week of, fifth week of Lent, actually, and we're reading from John, uh, chapter 12, verses 20 to, let's see, 32. Jesus is, uh, has just arrived at, uh, just had his triumphal entry, and he's in Jerusalem at the Passover feast. Now, among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethesda in Galilee, and they said to Philip, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor now my soul is troubled. And what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the kind of death he would die. The word of God for the people of God. Now, my study tonight is coming, I'm lifting it largely from N.T. Wright's book, um, John Part John, uh, for everyone. Okay. And so, uh, this is not all, this is, this is mostly uh, N.T. Wright's words tonight, but this is such a powerful study, that a powerful meditation on this passage, I thought I would share it with you. I've edited it and added some of my own words in places, but it's largely from Professor Wright. This passage is one of the few in the New Testament where we are told there was an actual audible voice from heaven. And it's interesting to see what some people thought. They heard a noise. Everyone heard a noise, and some thought it was thunder. Some people, knowing that Jesus had just prayed, thought perhaps it was an angel answering him. And nobody seems to have understood what John clearly believes was the case. It wasn't thunder. It wasn't an angel, it was God. Of course, there's no way at the time that anybody could, you know, prove that. And we certainly can't do so here 2,000 years later. Our more urgent task is to see what, according to John, the voice said and the direction the whole conversation 
the whole passage is taking. Jesus had just said his time had come. Now back at the wedding at Cana, he insisted his time had not come to his mother. And a couple other times since then, he insisted to his disciples that his time had not come. So he had waited for this moment, for whatever sign he needed, that he could move ahead to the climax of his brief but dramatic personal career. This was his time. Now some Greeks had come to the feast of the Passover, and they wanted to see him. And this, not sure what the connection is, but there appears to have indicated to Jesus, these Greeks, that his time had finally come. So, his time had come. And how did he respond? He was what? Proud? No. Was he exhilarated? No. Was he ready to meet the moment with head held high? No. Jesus was troubled. Yes. The very word that had become flesh, the one in whom the Father's own love and power was seen, the one who healed the sick, turned water into wine, opened blind eyes, and raised Lazarus to life, was troubled. Deeply troubled, too, right down to his heart. Is your picture of God big enough for that? For God to be troubled in Jesus? Or when God speaks, do you just think it's thunder? Jesus was, after all, the word become flesh. Weak flesh, yes, human flesh. Flesh that shrank from suffering as we all might. His natural instincts as a flesh and blood human being were to say, the time has arrived, now can I please avoid this? How can I get out of this? The other Gospels don't show us this side of Jesus, this internal troubled dialogue he has with himself, this internal dialogue, discussion he has with himself. Until later, we get to the Garden of Gethsemane. John brings it forward so that we see it earlier in Jerusalem, before the night of his arrest. And the key to it all is what Jesus calls the glory of the Father and the way in which Jesus was necessary to bring that glory about. He has come all this way, has prepared the ground, has spoken of the Father's will and of how the world is to be saved, and he is now going to ask for a change of plan? No, of course not. His troubled heart knows there is danger ahead, but also knows that it is through that danger, rather than sliding safely past it, that the glory will shine out to the whole world through the danger, through the pain, rather than avoidance. That is how God's glory will shine out. Father, glorify your name. Jesus prays. And that is the prayer that gets answered by thunder. Thunder. God has glorified his name. He's already done so in Jesus' extraordinary public career and his mighty and loving works, and he will do so again. Be obedient, follow the way, and watch. God will glorify his name. The Father will glorify Christ Jesus' name because those who have usurped God's rule in the world, those who have laid waste to it and trampled on the poor and exalted themselves as kings, lords, and even as gods, all of them are going to be condemned. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the world's ruler is going to be thrown out. But it won't look like that. Jesus is saying, 
you can hear Jesus telling himself this. That's what people want. That's the kind of language lots of people were expecting around the Messiah. It was kind of the talk, it was, it was the military sort of political talk that you would associate with the would-be Messiah. The next thing you know, this kind of military Messiah would be asking everybody to sharpen up their swords and help him attack the Roman garrison hanging out by the temple. But Jesus, of course, as we know, was not that sort of Messiah. He was aiming to overthrow the kingdom of the world, all right, and replace it with the kingdom of God. But the victory was to be of a totally different sort. It was somehow all about him being lifted up. He who was love being lifted up. That's how the world was to be rescued. That's how God, the true God, the God of astonish, astonishing, generous Love would be glorified. Swords do not glorify God. Love does. Self-giving love, best of all. Jesus' audience, of course, doesn't understand him. It must be frustrating for Jesus. They hardly ever do, particularly in John's Gospel. This must reflect, I think, the memories of the writer, the memories the writer had of endless conversations in which Jesus and the Judeans seemed to always be talking at cross purposes. He saw Jesus disconnect, you know, misconnections with people all the time. They know, the people do, that their tradition that the Messiah will reign forever. Second Samuel says so. The Messiah will reign forever. So they don't understand Jesus' hints about his own death, about this strange son of man figure who would be lifted up. John wants us to feel not only Jesus' frustration over the fact that people seem to be so close and yet so far away from understanding. He also wants us to sense the disciples' puzzlement as well. What was Jesus up to? What did he really mean? We have hindsight. They did not. The only clue Jesus gives them, just after our passage closes, is to speak again about John's favorite images of light and darkness. He tells them, the light is with you a little longer. The light is with them a little longer. They must stick with it. By that, I mean Jesus. They must stick with Jesus, remain with Jesus, and believe in Jesus. And as we all here in 2021 draw closer to Holy Week, so must we stick with it, remain in it, and believe in it. Amen. I'll see you all next week.